1: Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Reginald Datatula. Kevin Gray Jr. will be joining me as soon as he possibly can. Rodrigo Mendoza on the ones and twos. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you for listening to us on the Odyssey app, 105.3 The Fan, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam, YouTube, 105, 3 The Fan, wherever else you might manage to bootleg this fine program. We appreciate you rocking with us. Uh, we got you till 11 p.m., Uh, This fine evening and the Mavs are going to be taking on the Sacramento Kings, the third place in the West Sacramento Kings, the uh, what I would like to call like the Spider-Man meme of a game that's happening tonight at 730. We're talking about that Uh, as Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavs and probably one of the most despised dudes Mavs wise in uh, in the entire Metroplex has been quoted by Brad Townsend a few times. But I, I mentioned KG is stuck in traffic uh he's making his way in but that means that i'm in here solo dolo so you know what let's go ahead and open up the phone line i kind of want to hear what the people have to say let's go to the phones right here uh what's happening here on the phone line rodrigo yeah so actually you got kg on the phone line kg what's happening man what's up so so why are you not here yet you want to talk to the people <laughs> that's
2: a long story <laughs> uh, that we have four hours to get into uh, as the show goes
1: on Okay, so while so, while we got it like this, while we're situated in the way that we are, uh, you want to give us like a, a basic traffic report on what's happening in the Metroplex, at least from your vantage point in a, in a car? Uh,
2: I would, but it would make me angrier than I already am. But at the same time, um, been a long day. It's been a long day, uh, and had to take care of business. But as of right now, things are free and clear as I'm on my way there as soon as uh, humanly possible. So it's one of those days where you do what you got to do and you let everything else fall where it may and then go from there and then listen to Mark Cuban and his listeners today.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah,
1: so you've seen So I was wondering, because, again, you've had a busy day, been out in these streets, all those things. Uh, so you have seen some of the things that have come down from the esteemed Brad Townsend of the Dallas Morning News from Mark Cuban.
2: Yeah, not only him, but also your man Tim McMahon of ESPN, had one of the more interesting things to say as Cuban apparently was talking before tonight's game against Sacramento to the media about a variety of things, including what happened with Jalen Brunson and what situation and how that went down with him and his father before ultimately Jalen Brunson left the Mavericks. And Tim McMahon had one of his quotes, When talking to Mark Cuban about why the Mavs ultimately lost Jalen Brunson, for example, Cuban said, quote, things went south when the parents got involved, end quote, referring to Jalen Brunson's daddy, Rick Brunson, to which I said, number one, uh, you said this out loud on the record? Like, you actually said this? In front of people. In front of people. For us to actually consume.
1: In front of people with platforms it. that will publish the this platforms. further. Like, yeah.
2: Like you thought the right thing to do was to let the quiet part out loud, and then discuss it in a manner that allows us to come after him in that way. That part, among other things, to begin with. Because I'm interested to hear what you what you saw and what you started to feel based on what. Cuban was saying prior to this game, because that was one of the ones that struck me immediately to start off with.
1: Alright, so I want to continue this conversation, but I be, me being me in the way that we kind of do this program, I want to press pause for just a moment to mention that mm-hmm. you do not understand how concerned I got when I heard you begin reading, I'm like, wait, aren't you driving right now? Like you are reading a quote right now. This is very concerning. dog. keep your eyes on the road. Ten and two, even though I'm pretty sure that that's not a good way to drive. Uh, no, Mark Cuban no, has been. True. Yeah, Mark Cuban has done a lot of talking today. And of course, you mentioned Tim McMahon. It was, this was in, in front of a whole bunch of people. In fact, a lot of folks have done a lot of talking. Luca included. Tim Hardaway Jr., Tim Hardaway Sr. We can talk about any portion of that that we might want to. Um, and I think, KG, you still there? Oh yep 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 that changed up. Uh, we might have lost KG right there. No, but okay. Some of the things that I found really interesting about some of the things that were said by Mark Cuban earlier today is I think that that click means that uh, KG's back. back. KG, yes, is back. you there? Yes. Oh, fantastic. All right. Um, that was Rod- that was Rodrigo hanging up on you. I had nothing to do with that. I just oh, want wow. that. I want that He's on the record.
3: Concern for my safety. I get it.
2: I yeah get yeah. It. He was like,
1: that. if you're gonna be reading on the road, we just gonna need to hang up. Um, <laughs> Cuban obviously got out here and let's talk about the the Brunson thing because Luka seems to miss Jalen Brunson and a lot of people have been looking at Jalen Brunson you in particular have been looking at Jalen Brunson all throughout the season like oh so that's not a dude you wanted to pay and Mark Cuban contends with some of the timeline that folks have talked about so Let's try and re restate the timeline, right? So the Mavs had an opportunity to offer Jalen Brunson what is, and correct me if I'm wrong, four-year, $55 million about, the same thing that Dorian Finney-Smith got the season after um, the Mavs were bounced from the playoffs by the Clippers, correct?
2: That's correct. Both Dorian and Jalen had the same four-year, $55 million deal that was offered to the or. Offer to Dorian prior to the Kristaps Porzingis trade, with him going to Washington.
1: And then when that did not come together, I don't. I, we got to a point where, towards the middle of the season, there was an expectation that, yo, are you going to sign this guy? No. Okay. Well, then I guess maybe you wait till after the trade deadline when you cannot give him the contract, and then see if you can go and get him back when he becomes a free agent, right? Um, There has been a lot of conversation about how the Mavs maybe could have offered him something, but did not feel like they wanted to offer him something at that point right before the trade deadline came across because they were trying to figure out what moves they could make. That being said, Mark Cuban wants you to know very, uh, very much that despite what was reported in the past, the Mavs never had an opportunity to sign Jalen Brunson to a four year extension in January. Uh, then, when the trade deadline approached in early February, supposedly, according to Mark Cuban, Jalen Brunson's side of the uh, of the negotiations made it clear that he was the asking price would be eighteen to twenty three million. KG, what do you hear there?
2: Uh, first of all, I don't believe that because Jalen Brunson, on the record himself, just last week with Chris Haynes in a, in a piece for Bleacher Report, said that not only did the Mavericks have a chance to do it once. They had a chance to do it twice before ultimately he decided to play out the rest of the season and then ultimately make a decision on going to New York. So I don't tend to believe Cuban in this sense because Brunson, who has had nothing but positive things today to say and has been forthright in every conversation that he has mentioned and been consistent in every conversation that he has had since his departure with the Mavericks said that, they had two opportunities to be able to get this done. And Chris Haynes detailed it in his entire interview that he had with him. So I'm sorry, Q, but I don't necessarily believe that because the player in this case has detailed this on consistent fronts on multiple occasions. So I'm not sure who is trying to misinform who, but I tend to believe the player in this situation, given the way that fronts has reported themselves, throughout this entire
1: thing i do as well in the way of uh receipts mark cuban apparently showed the media that he was speaking to earlier today um text messages between himself and nico harrison um in uh, trying to prove the you know the nature of his stance on this deal all things considered right because we can get into the relitigation of this and i i think you know kg that i have kind of tried to steer away from that because i didn't know how mm-hmm. much that benefited us but right now, mm-hmm. the fact that Cuban is trying to relitigate it at this moment is really concerning for me. Um, and, and I guess.
2: voluntarily doing so, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know how many questions were asked, put directly to him about the idea or the notion of Jalen Brunson not being there. And maybe the idea that Luka Doncic said that this team missed Jalen Brunson was the onus for this conversation. But Mark Cuban, you know, mentioned that Jason Kidd will absolutely be the team. He also seemed to try and take some level of nebulous responsibility. For where this team is right now, Um, and he said, and I guess let me quote this, Brad Townsend said that uh, Cuban says that the Mavs' season record is on him for not recognizing what personnel changes were needed to prevent the Mavs' backslide on defense. Quote, it's absolutely my fault for not recognizing that, close. Quote, Um, I just find this to be incredibly absurd The way that this thing is happening, just like the nature of all of Mark Cuban's comments here strike me as incredibly odd, Kevin.
2: Yeah, because for one, you've got a set of basketball minds between Michael Finley, Nico Harrison, Andrew Baker and this front office to help you make those decisions. Your job is not to recognize these things. It's the people that you've empowered whom Cuban has said, or excuse me, Nico Harrison, who has said on the record to me that he has been empowered by Mark Cuban to make the decisions that are best for this basketball team. So I don't need Cuban to recognize these things. I need him to empower the individuals who he has employed in those positions to recognize that and then make recommendations to Cuban about what this team should be doing based on their personnel and what they want for a vision of that team. So... I don't care if Cuban was the one that says that he did not recognize what needed to happen. It's his employees that need to recognize that. And then they work in tandem to fix it going forward. And then he'd be the one that ultimately cuts the check. Like Mark Cuban, I guess what I find fascinating about this Mm -hmm. is that Cuban with those kinds of comments tries to fashion himself as a basketball guy. Like, no, you're not a basketball guy. You have been running this team for a while, but you have been running this team with the empowerment of Donnie Nelson previously, and now Nico Harrison running your front office. Let the dudes who make basketball decisions and evaluate basketball players and talent do it. And then you approve trades and cut checks. It sounds like Cuban is doing a little too much based on what he is needing his other people to do based on on what those comments sound like to me in my humble opinion.
1: And on top of that, right, like – I would, I mean, some, a lot of people would argue, honestly, that an owner is still going to be involved in these decisions. But the idea that Mark Cuban felt like he did not uh, recognize the personal and personnel changes were needed to stop the defense from backsliding, right? You could talk about empowering the people that he has involved. Even if he's going to be the decision maker, what he has sold us and what we have like come to understand as his stance is that what we have informed basketball people, and I'm taking all of their opinions into mind. If your collective of people, Right. Do not get you in the place where you understand the nature of, you know, what the effects of are your on your moves. How can we take any of your moves seriously? How can we have faith in your ability to run this basketball team? Whoever is making the decision, you're clearly not getting the right amount of input to understand. Because like those are very particular words that he used there. Right. Not recognizing what the per- what personnel changes were needed. Right, like that is not being able to evaluate the situation, which is fairly basic in a necessity of running a basketball team. And this kind of hard to me- Yeah, go ahead.
2: Or either that, or either that, or he's ignoring it, because I, I can't, I can't believe that the individuals who he has within his organization, some of which are ex NBA players, others of which have worked with NBA players for years, mm-hmm. would not recognize and say, "Hey, Mark." Your team is devoid of defensive pieces in order to make your coach, who is a defensive-minded coach, supposedly, to make this thing work and then not tell Cuban that and then not Cuban recognize that based on that recommendation. I have a hard time believing that given the individuals that are within that organization because if that is the case, that is incompetence on his part for ignoring it or simply choosing not to exercise any kind of control based on what he's evaluating and seeing on the floor, because he watches this team just as much as we do, I think.
1: I think we're getting to the same point, like that level of incompetence, because does this sound anything to you, KG, like what it sounds like to me? Recall when the Mavericks were in the throes of a um, workplace, office workplace uh, malfeasance? uh you know Mm -hmm. like uh, 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 scandal right what what was the kind of idea that mark cuban put forward was like well you know nobody really went to hr with these things but my thing about it is people when talked to said that they feared going to hr because of the nature of how it was set up man if if your hr is not set up in such a way where it achieves achieves the job that it was set up to do then it's a failure. And I think in the same way, you're ending up in this place where whatever your brain trust is, according to Mark Cuban, right, taking his word at face value, if you did not get to a place as the ultimate decision maker that you you uh, have situated yourself to be, to understand that fairly basic portion of the assessment, I got real questions of like what we are doing here entirely. And I think the reason why this matters, right, I'm not just doing this to dunk on Mark Cuban, is you are coming into an off season where it is going to be the most difficult amount of like team building, uh, possible, right? All of the decisions that you made over the last few years to put you in a place where you are in a corner, and it's going to take some skillful executive work to get you out of it, right? When we talk about the idea of convey or don't convey the pick, the n- number of draft picks that you would have afterwards to be able to make some moves on your team, the amount of uh, contracts that you have, uh, and money that you are spending on your books some of it that you want, some of it that you don't want. Like being able to navigate all these things and get yourself into a place where you could be a contender is going to take some level of skill. And what we are seeing right here from what Mark Cuban has said does not display the level of skill that I at least believe would be necessary to get yourself to a situation that would be preferable for all the fans that are looking on for the mass.
2: If we were to take a vote as far as whether or not Anyone who has heard these comments today would have confidence in Cuban's ability to lead this organization going forward based on what sounds like a lack of accountability in negotiations with Jalen Brunson, a passing of the buck or a lack of recognition on what your organization needs based on what you are observing on the floor or what you're getting in terms of information from your people who are in position to observe your basketball team. Today will be a strong vote of no confidence and Mark Cuban's ability to lead because I have a hard time believing that with all the basketball that he watches the intimate level of connection that he has supposedly with his front office and his players that he could not simply on a basic level recognize that his team can't have been the soul night in and night out and not do something about it and then put it on the rest of the put it on himself to say that he didn't recognize it That is very hard and very difficult for me to believe based on what this team is and how intimately involved he is supposed to be with this team. Or maybe I'm mischaracterizing his level of involvement with this team on a day-to-day basis. Because, again, if you are watching this team and do not recognize on a very basic basketball level that your team can't defend, then I have a problem or have a real concern about your ability to evaluate what's happening with your team on a consistent basis going forward, because that to me is mind-boggling that that would be a comment that he would say, and not just the other things that have been on the record tonight, based on his comments and observations.
1: Well, when asked about you know what the Mavs are going to do at least when it comes to winning games, he said, "I haven't heard the fat lady sing." And uh, that's going to continue, right? Like the, this thing is not entirely over for the prospect of getting a play-in spot, and that continues tonight at 7:30 when they tip off against the Sacramento Kings, the 48 and 31, mind mm-hmm. you, Sacramento Kings at the American Airlines Center. Uh, on the TruckReg.com text line, somebody texted in and said, "From the 860, is this a first-time, long-time caller? He sounds like a professional. I like him. You might have a, you might have a, you might have a future in this, KG. What you think?"
2: I might have a future in this business.
1: We'll see after tonight. All right. Fantastic. (laughs) I I hope that you're pretty close. And if not, we will figure something out. Because coming up next, this is from KG's mind himself. Uh, Now largely formed, right? Obviously, we still have to go through the NFL draft. But where does this Cowboys defense rank in the league? We'll discuss it next on 105 Through the Fan.
0: This segment on The Fan is brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. There's a reason you need a special license to drive a big truck. So
1: companies that hire drivers and put them in a big truck should be held accountable to, for
0: what happens when one hurts you. Frankly, you need Frankel and Frankel. The consultation is always free. Visit truckrec.com.
1: It's the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan reginal data to Kevin Gray Jr. will be joining me ever so shortly, ever so briefly. Well, not briefly. I guess we got you to 11. He will join me for the Momentarily. Show. Momentarily that's the word. Look at Rodrigo Mendoza on the ones and twos. Give me the words. I appreciate you, my boy. Um, 877-881-1053. That is the Autoflex lease, or sorry, the truckwreck.com. I went way back. Truckwreck.com text line. Um, And people really got into it when it came to that Cuban thing. You can tell that, like, Mavs fans, really frustrating. This is the type of season where that frustration boils over. But I, I did see someone mention on uh from the 567 uh, the moment that a team puts a wing on Brunson, he can't play. He's too little. He can't shoot. The moment a long guard or wing gets on Brunson, he disappears. Maz made a good choice, letting him go bad choice on other fronts. Now, one thing I want to say, right uh, before I go and, you know, kind of argue with this person, you are right. They're like, one of the things is we are doing this thing lately with the Mavs where we're, we're focusing on one thing and being like, yo, this is the reason the Mavs are in this place. When in all reality, and it's never fun to do this this way, it's very anti-sports talk radio to be like, yo, this is the complex web of things that adds into uh, the issues that you're seeing. But there's a lot of decisions that the Mavs made over time that have put them in the precisely in the place that they are. Um, the Brunson one, though, um, that the point, the idea that like, he can't play in this league. Just he needs, you know, if he gets the wrong matchup. Um, that's a lot of players in this league. And one thing you got to uh, pay attention to Jalen Brunson scored 40 some points against one of the best defensive teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers, like a, within the last week, um, without Julius Randle, who would be the only other guy you'd consider as like the best player on that team against Donovan Mitchell, and they won that basketball game. Like, this dude is actually a lot better than we, when we give him credit for. Because one thing we got to remember, right, because I do know what you're talk, talking about, 573, if we take it back a couple of years when they played the Clippers and Nicholas Batum's long-arm self got out here and made life hell for Jalen Brunson, it was like, oh, okay, well, that is going to be the problem. Remember, dudes grow, and he has become better. In fact, speaking of Donovan Mitchell, right, that is going to be a first-round matchup. Kings, or sorry, not Kings, um, Knicks. Cavaliers is going to be a four-five matchup in the East. Donovan Mitchell scores four more points per game than Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson has like three more assists. Like they are similar in play. And think about where you rank J- Donovan Mitchell in this league. J- Jalen Brunson is actually like becoming quite very much one of those types of players in this league. Maybe top fifty if we want to consider it that way. But yes, that's uh, the, the Mavs is quite the crazy situation, and I'm sure we'll talk way more about that as they take on the Kings. Shortly, probably in about like 10, 15 minutes, they'll tip off at the AAC. But joining me now, right here in the studio, is my friend, Kevin Gray Jr. KG, how you doing?
2: Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. I'm good, man. I'm good. It's it's game night at the American Airlines Center, of course, with the Mavericks and the Kings. And as we were mentioning, obviously the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. You are about to get close to the playing-in situation. As far as the east and the west is concerned, and uh, a lot on the line tonight at the American Airlines Center, and just in the NBA overall as we get into the final what week and a half of the NBA season, as uh, we get ready to get down to the nitty gritty when it comes to the NBA and the That's NBA right. playoffs. So I know this is our favorite time of the year. Hopefully the Mavericks will find a way. If you are of that um, of that mindset, to find a way to join the party, or if you are saying, "Hey, let's find a way to get the number ten overall pick," or in some ways, be in the lottery so that we don't have to convey a pick to the New York Knicks. You may not necessarily want to see the Mavericks win this basketball game, but at the same time, a lot to be said as the Mavericks get ready to tip off against Sacramento and Demondas Sabonis tonight. Who is going to play? Uh, the Kings are going to play most of their guys tonight, as they're still um, or they're going to play a couple of their guys that you're normally accustomed to seeing, even though they're locked pretty much into the. Three seed? Mm, the three
1: seed. Which is very much Kings. They have just been all season trucking along. All as gas, we're, no breaks. We're they are, they are really the best version of what the Mavs have tried to do. But anyways, this is not supposed to be a Mavs. <laughs> play any defense? <laughs> I mean, they are bottom five defensively. <laughs> they are. They actually are. Which is really counterintuitive to what we believe to know about the NBA. <laughs> and if you want to so. be a very good team in this league. Anyways, <laughs> it's not supposed to be a basketball segment. We are supposed to be talking about something that came from the mind of Kevin Gray. You, um, Hey, man. This defense looks to be fully formed, right? You made the trade for Stefan Gilmore, Gilly, as they like to call him. Uh, you brought back Lane Vanderes. You brought back Donovan Wilson. Uh, Hankins, big boy in the middle, is a defensive tackle once more for your Dallas Cowboys for at least one more season as he's got a contract. Mm-hmm. And it seems like your defense, obviously not fully formed because you go into the draft and you might be able to make some shake depending on how things fall. In fact, a lot of mock drafts have mocked a defensive lineman, whether it's a tackle or an end to this team. Um, but with that being the case, where do we see this team um, a, um, amongst the best, where are they ranking amongst the best defenses in the NFL? Cause this was something that you brought up and we've been thinking about it, but this is probably the best time to deploy this, this conversation.
2: So when you look at the Cowboys and what they've been able to do this off season, one of the biggest needs that they had coming into the year or to this off season, I should say was getting, a corner opposite of Trayvon Diggs. And with Stephon Gilmore going into the final year of his contract, you still may look to the future in this NFL draft to find someone to be able to possibly replace Stephon Gilmore if you decide to move off of him as he will be turning 33 years old in September. You also have to start thinking about getting Trayvon Diggs done from a contract standpoint as well. As he's entering into a contract year, he'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the three levels of this defense on the defensive line where you still need significant help, I feel like, in the interior. Yes, you brought back Jonathan Hankins, who played pretty well for you last year, but at the same time, a guy that can be a, a freer of Micah Parsons, Leighton Vanderes, you know, Jabril Cox, Damone Clark, These individuals need someone in the middle to be able, like an Ashawn Robinson type, for example, to be able to clog up that middle to allow these linebackers to get downhill and make plays on opposing running backs and make plays in the open field. Other than that, you've got a secondary that arguably, if you look at the trio between Malik Hooker, J. Ron Kurse, and obviously what you have in... The third one's escaping me. I don't know why it's escaping me. Who Malik Hooker, Malik Hooker, Jaron Curse, and
1: Donovan Wilson. Donovan Wilson, thank
2: you. Who you just brought back?
1: And don't forget, like, there's some depth there as well because they also have uh, Israel Mukwamu. Mukwamu. Um, I was just reading about this, and I just forgot another name that's in there. But anyways, point is point is made. Right? There's you've got guys.
2: You're looking at arguably one of the deepest secondaries in the NFL, and by far the best trio of safeties that you've had in a very long time here. In Dallas, And I think that was why it was so important for this team to ensure that they brought back Donovan Wilson to continue to develop the continuity between those three individuals and what Dan Quinn has been able to build with this defense for the last couple of years. And by doing so, you are now relieving some pressure off of your secondary because you know guys are going to be in the spots that they need to. But more importantly, they are going to be able in terms of a Donovan Wilson, who has been one of the guys that you look at as one that's thrived under Dan Quinn. That's why it was so important to bring him back. Mm-hmm. So you've got your secondary that's really good right now. You've got your linebacking core. Leighton Vanders had a bounce back here last year. And obviously, Micah Parsons being the all-everything, do-everything linebacker and as that he is. Well, I mean, he's an
1: edge rusher at this point.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have to, we don't have to I mean, play the game. He's yeah, a, he's an edge rusher at this point. He's primarily playing edge. Yeah, but you still amongst,
1: got— Amongst a whole bunch of other dudes that are really good at yeah, playing edge, right? You, you talk about DeMarcus Lawrence. You talk about— mm-hmm. um, you talk about, wow, names immediately. Sam Williams. Yeah, Sam you talk Williams, about You have a whole Doran bunch of D-names.
2: Dante Fowler Jr. I was like, it's a, of,
1: it's a whole bunch of D-names, and I forgot all <laughs> of them. Um,
2: Mark that. Thank you.
1: Um,
2: D-names? No. Okay. Fine. Um But, yeah, you've got a lot of guys with depth, and I think they've got depth. Marquise here. Bell. Thank you.
0: Golly. Oh, sorry. that's, a, that's Anyways, another one. That's, a,
2: that's another
1: one. Sorry. It was It was bugging me.
2: So, you've got, I think, one of the more complete defenses in the NFL. Now, the question is... Is this team that you're looking at whom we saw a lot last year carry this team especially when Dak Prescott was dealing with the thumb injury? Right. Are you looking at the basis of the Dallas Cowboys in terms of their identity being a defensive team? Oh, wow, that
1: that feels very certain that that's the way that they're going. In fact, they've tried to make sure that they invest assets there. Um the question is are they strong enough to be that defensive first team and how strong of a defense is this because yes the teams that you could what are the teams that you could point to as like oh yeah defense led right the one that pops to mind immediately for me is the San Francisco 49ers
3: mm-hmm.
2: and
1: that was a team that was staunch right like running and passing wise they made it difficult on teams the cowboys had some of that as well someone noted here on the truckwreck.com text line from the not 40 defense looked good last year until the injury bug hit and that's fair, but also like the injury bug is the nature of the, NFL. the National Football League. In addition to that, right, and Hankins is a big part of this is why uh, it was necessary to bring him back. The run stopping left a little something to be desired. Now, I understand I'm being a little unfair because in a salary cap sport, it's not fair to look around and be like, well, you still have some weaknesses. Well, duh, that's how this is built. But with all that being said, if you can manage to be better stopping the run this year, um you can manage to be a team that has that level of identity of you know being a defense first stopping type of team and if you can do that like what other teams are there with you, right? We talked about the Eagles having a good defense last year. They've lost some pieces from that. Obviously, they maintained some of them, right? They're not gonna fall off the face of the earth. The uh, the Niners we mentioned earlier, and then who like the, the Jets, they're they'll get a little bit older as they, you know, they had a very young team. Uh, the Broncos, maybe, but I don't even think that those teams really compared to where the Cowboys were at their height. If you can manage to improve on that, with the likes of adding Stephon Gilmore and another year of having this team largely together, you really can be one of the better defenses in this league.
2: Yeah, and I think that to me is really, really crucial here because the reason why I brought up the question in the way that I did is because all the resources that you've invested on the offensive side of the ball with your quarterback being paid over $40 million, you got a $10 million running back, you just traded for a really good wide receiver and Brandon Cooks to go along with all pro CeeDee Lamb, you've got investment in your offensive line between Zach Martin, you know Tyron Smith, who's coming back. You invested a first-round pick last year in the NFL draft on an offensive lineman. You may do it again this year in the NFL draft. You've invested a lot on the offensive side. The onus is on this offense, if this is going to be a defensive football team... To carry their weight. To carry their weight. Yeah. That means Dak Prescott and the turnover problem cannot be a thing because if you're going to ask... This football team to lean on its defense this upcoming year, the offense cannot put this defense in bad positions to try and make things happen based off of the mistakes that they make. This is why this goes back to the quarterback and the offense and their ability to consistently play week in and week out. Because if this defense is put in those in those bad spots, they're gonna be not they're not gonna be able to sustain and carry their own weight based on the identity of what this football team is on what they have on that side of the ball. Yeah,
1: and sorry to continue to going back to go back to like what has become again your nemesis. But one of the things about the Niners, one of the reasons why we can point to their defense as opposed to like the Bucks who had a pretty good defense is because this modern league is not situated to just be a one unit type of thing, especially if that one unit is defense, right? You need offense to pair with that. Because, again, pointing to the Buccaneers as, like, the negative portion of that. They had a good defense, but the offense was not solid enough to sustain drives and put points up on the board, and defenses are not capable of winning games like that uh, because, like, this game is situated and leaned too much to offense, quarterback play, passing for defenses to be able to entirely block out another team like a son, right? Like, you have to be able to pair these things, and in the same way, like, the Niners – while not having uh, all world's quarterback play, what they were able to do, though, was maintain possession, game, put points on the board, get chunk yards, right? The things that we all look for in offenses. And that's where, you know, making sure that you don't turn the ball over, making sure that you convert third downs and extend drives and add points on the board on multiple drives, like make sure that you're converting uh, possessions into points, even if sometimes they're three, right? Making sure you're turning drives into points will then help you really push towards the actuality or the actualization of a defense that is staunch that will help um, lock down games that mm-hmm. you've put them in position to win.
2: And even if you believe the six eight two Dak isn't going to win it for us. We need a number one defense if we wanted to, go, to deep in the, go deep in the playoffs. Here's what you have to have. Your quarterback not lose you football games, which means putting your defense in a bad position to have to try and make up for his mistakes no matter what you may feel about how good this defense can be and its potential, it ultimately comes back on the offense and the quarterback to make plays when you need it. Because even with the 49ers to book in this, when they had Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback with a terrific defense, guess what they needed Jimmy Garoppolo to do in a Super Bowl against Kansas City? Make a throw. He couldn't do it. When you're trying to win Super Bowls in this league, your quarterback ultimately has to be the difference no matter what kind of defense that you have, unless – You have the examples of the Baltimore Ravens in the year 2000, the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or even the 2015 Denver Broncos who were historically championship-level defenses. Unless you have one of those kinds of defenses that can overcome a Trent Dilfer, a trick neck of Peyton Manning, and a Brad Johnson for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're not going to win a Super Bowl in most cases. You need your quarterback to still perform in the biggest moments when it calls upon it. To do so. But this defense is terrific based on what they have and they're gonna be a big reason why this Cowboys team wins a lot of games this year and maybe why the identity of this football team is changing from an offensive one to a
1: defensive one. And no, it's not it's not just the deep. it's complimentary football, KG.
2: All right, Big Mike. You know, that's Big Mike's favorite word, complimentary. <laughs> that's what he loves to talk about when
1: it comes to his Dallas Cowboys. Oh, we getting spicy on the text line from the two one zero. Shout out to San Antonio. Am I the only one out on digs? He broke me with his lack of physicality. Okay, but we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to do that. I'm getting spicy. Yeah, we're longer. not going to do that. It's only Wednesday.
2: We're going to go to break real quick, but... <laughs> Diggs showed enough physicality yes i know people are going to point to the san francisco 49er game where he went ole in terms of the tackling and all of the other stuff it was very ugly there was enough because people have short-term memory you remember that one game against cincinnati when he came up and popped the receiver when they needed it most trayvon Diggs has shown enough physicality for me to be able to play on this team and most of the time i pay my corners to cover people and break up passes there's been no one in the league better than that since the
1: year 2020 then Trayvon Diggs. How many corners you got the house, KG? Excuse me? You said you pay your corners. Which ones, which ones well, you got Well, if oh, okay. I was running my sure. football I team,
2: a football team, I would pay my corners to cover and break up passes. All right, cool. Trayvon Diggs is one of the best in the NFL and do that. Don't you try to run him off in terms of that. Please don't do that. Uh, coming up next on the Get Right, Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Well, I'll be a full participant in this particular segment. What do you mean? You, you participated in both segments. I did. Yeah. We'll go around the NFL next on the Get Right. About to go around the NFL here on the Get Right. We're Reginald KG right here on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. My man Regal Mendoza holding it down for you here on your Turn It On, leaving on stage. Really appreciate you joining us, however, and wherever you may be listening to us on this Hump Night edition, RJ Choppy, of the Get Right here on your home with the Cowboys and Texas Rangers 105 through the fan. Shout out to the Texas Rangers. Four and two start on the season after getting another win today. How about the youngster?
1: See what I did there? Young Moolah. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, which young player are you talking about? Literally Josh Young. <laughs>
2: That's right. Josh Young with the go-ahead two-run home run uh, to help the Rangers get the win today. So, shout out to the 4-2 and two Texas Rangers playing some good baseball. Jacob DeGrom was so damn good today. Uh, we'll talk a little Rangers baseball a little bit later on in the show and how we're feeling after the first six games of the Rangers' season. Early on in the first quarter at the American Airlines Center as your Mavericks, according to Jason Kidd, fighting for their lives tonight. Uh, 14 to 11 early on in the first quarter. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything happening at the AAC as the night goes on. You
1: know what Mavs gonna, fans going to say to the idea that they're fighting for their lives, right?
2: No one's dying. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I was like, oh, mm. man,
1: you put two quotes together mm. there, J.K. Mm. You really, Anyways, we'll talk mm. about that later. Sound
2: bites galore. By the way, real quick, before we go around the NFL, a uh, lot of people doing a lot of talking today about the Mavericks. And Not, yesterday. And yesterday. Uh, not just Jason Kidd, obviously in his pregame comments. Uh, you man, uh, Tim Hardaway Senior mm-hmm. was out here running his mouth
1: on that on that one dude show. Uh,
2: yeah, on that one guy show.
1: I oof, the words that I would
2: say off air.
0: <laughs> I really should not. And say. I that <laughs> and I know,
1: and I know.
2: But yeah, there's a lot of people doing a lot of talking around the Mavericks, and uh, rightfully so, given what has happened. But we'll have more Mavs conversation a little bit later on uh, in the show. Rigo, let's go around the NFL though, right here. On your home of the Cowboys 105 through the fan. Short rate.com text line 877 1053 if you want to get in on the conversation. Speaking of people who were talking today, did you see what Eric DaCosta wasn't willing to
1: talk about today? Oh, this. Oh man, I should have told Rego to pull the audio on this because it is kind of crazy. Yes. Yes, although they did talk about it in a way. And I guess, look, (laughs) if you don't know what we're talking about, it's because you probably don't know that Eric DaCosta is the general manager of the Ravens. And as soon as I say that, you're like, okay, I know what you don't want (laughs) to talk about.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Let me see if I can find it.
2: Well, as you do, Eric DaCosta apparently wasn't here for your Lamar Jackson questions today because one of the questions and what he acknowledged was the possibility that the Ravens could be selecting a quarterback in the first round of this year's annual selection meeting where he said, quote, it depends on the board. It really does. I mean, I'd have to say yes, because we have quarterbacks in our top thirty one. So just based on that alone, simple math, I would have to say yes, end quote. To which I'm sure you ain't slick. Had a lot of eyebrows raised about, hey, 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 Eric, um you you do or are supposed to be in negotiations with your, you know, MVP quarterback? You know, that one unanimous one that happened that one year? Oh, yeah, that,
1: that was the negotiations. You didn't hear it?
2: Oh, oh is that what that you was supposed to be? You hear some of the negotiations? Hey, Lamar, hey, we got that draft coming up, my guy.
1: You, yeah. want, you want to get here you, get
2: this deal done? Yeah, if
1: you don't take the money that we giving you, we'll draft Will Levis. We'll <laughs> How about that? We'll draft Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker. Anthony Richardson. They not getting no Anthony Richardson. No, they're Stop not. That. They're not. Not at 31. Could you imagine though if Anthony Richardson? Is there Thirty. Where are they? I said that and then I was like, actually, I'm not sure if that's right. Well, could you imagine though if they are like uh, they have the number 22 overall pick? Oh, they number yeah, 22. they not getting no Anthony Richardson at 22. <laughs> See, this is the thing. And I, I feel like I need to say this because I've only said the portion of the Anthony Richardson is gonna get is gonna get somebody fired part, which makes it sound like I just think he's bad. No, 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 no. The idea of like he's going to get him fired is not that he's bad. It's that he's got some things about him that are so damn good that you will overlook the bad stuff that will ultimately do you in. Chris Ballard, GM of the Colts,
2: might be one of those people in position to draft Anthony Richardson that might ultimately get fired behind him.
1: No, the thing that I found amazing, and I guess the thing that we need to make note of, is that when that question was asked, before the question was finished, right, the idea of um, basically was asked about Lamar Jackson. I realized that I don't have the exact words, and I apologize for that. Because Baltimore Ravens PR immediately got that dude out of there. Whoever was was asking that question, they were like, we are keeping this to the draft. And so the next question was, could you see yourself drafting a quarterback in the first round? Because, of course, if you say yes to that, that means we have the possibility of moving on. Because you don't draft a quarterback in the first round if you don't expect <laughs> to play them. right? Like That's how that goes. You draft a quarterback in the first round, and this is our new quarterback for the foreseeable future for the next four years about. Right? Um, and the idea that, I mean, it just depends on how our board falls. If you have a quarterback that you want to roll with, it don't matter how your board falls. You do not draft a quarterback. Maybe you trade back if somebody wants one, right? So the idea of we just matters how our, our board falls is some, yeah, man, we got to start considering the idea that maybe Lamar isn't here, and that is negotiating in the media.
2: Okay, two things here. So it, I'm floored today by the amount of people who are willing to say the quiet stuff out loud. Mark Cuban, now Eric DeCosta, general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, number one number two the Ravens told us they were willing to move on from Lamar Jackson when they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him so DaCosta is just saying the part that we have seen be put forward in action which is are we sure they're
1: actually willing to move on from or do you think that they knew what we're finding out which is none of these other teams gonna touch him? For whatever if, reason, if a team got froggy
2: and jumped and gave Lamar Jackson all the guaranteed money that he wanted, which Baltimore clearly has decided that they are not willing to do, mm-hmm. they have said, go find it. And if you find it and they want to give you all that guaranteed money, then we will not match
1: it most likely based on the fact that you threw a non-exclusive tag on him. All right. Look, we've done a lot of talking. I guess let's let's end this portion of around the NFL let us oh, can say it himself. Yeah. Let's, let's let him say it, and right. himself, and right. everybody listening. You can make your own decisions on what he was trying to say.
3: Draft weekend. You know, respect to the this being about
1: the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey guys, are, are you all looking at, at quarterbacks? Out, out, This is about the draft. Oh, we didn't oh, even we're? get the. That's all. That's all we got. Was just like, hey, dog, we not talking about that. It's still going.
2: Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situations going
3: on? You know, I don't think we really are. I mean, we go into every draft trying to take any kind of bias out any kind of need based situation out of the draft equation. We really do try to build a board that's really best player available. And that process involves really nine months starting in, you know, the early, you know, in early August when our scouts go out on the road and they generate the profile and the evaluations and get as much information as possible. Uh, We then segue into a set of meetings in December and then we get into the meetings in January and the All-Star games and all those different things. Really trying to assess this player versus that player. And it's really just comparisons and how these players stack up. Who do we think uh, has the best chance to come in and make us the best football team? And so if that's a quarterback, if that's a receiver, a corner, an offensive tackle, we're going to look at that very strongly and make the best decision we can, knowing that over time we think building a team, best available player is the right way to go.
2: <laughs> I like what happened there is that my man tried to get the thing shut down and the other guy was like, no, I'm going to ask this question. I, apparently about the same these, dude. Apparently this, the same yeah. dude. He's
1: like, all right, well, I can maneuver my question. Um but speaking of, like, uh, people who are in executive positions or, actually, I guess, in no longer in those, uh, the Denver Broncos, John Elway no longer on their payroll. Uh, you remember how he was, like, the president of football operations and everything, and then they brought someone else in to do mm-hmm. the job, and they are like, you can stay around as a consultant. Well, his contract expired, uh, ran out, yep. and he will not be renewed. So this was basically the nice way of firing a, a, a franchise legend. It was just going to quietly not renew yeah, your contract. You, yeah, you can be around even though you're probably not doing anything. And then you when come your the contract Legends runs dinner. out,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. come to the Legends dinner next year.
1: Which, you know what? This is kind of the way you have to do with John <laughs> like But you're not going to be on the payroll anymore. Greatest player in the history of the franchise, right? Who couldn't find the one thing that he was best at. Well, some, sometimes that's the hardest, right? Because then you go in with all of the blinders of, well, that player looked like me. <laughs> And then you're trying to draft a whole bunch of look-like-me, Paxton Lynch. And then you realize, oh, that's actually not what I need. I was just trying to look in the mirror right quick.
2: Never forget, this is the same man that had Brock Osweiler and a trick-neck Peyton Manning on the same roster, and both of them had to find a way to not mess it up long enough to help that Denver Broncos team win a Super Bowl because they were carried by Von Miller and that defense in 2015 to ultimately win that Super Bowl.
1: You know what I think about sometimes? Like, why don't we have, like, quarterback-specific general managers, like for um, John Elway, he clearly was good at doing all the other stuff. The, the rest of the team was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just couldn't figure out a quarterback. I was like, why don't you just get you a, sub, a sub-GM, a sub a co-GM. that's like, you just <laughs> handle a quarterback. You let me know it's funny what we're doing say with that. quarterback, and I'll, I'll get the rest of it, and we will put together a crazy good football team.
2: I heard Babe Loffenberg on this very station, 105 through the fans, say this the other day. He said, with all the investment that – teams make in an NFL quarterback and how vital that position is to a team success. Why is it there one person who's paid like two or $3 million and their sole job is to go find a quarterback. Hey, your job over here is to find the best quarterback smoking out here. And you try to find us a way to get that quarterback. That's all your job is every single year is to find a quarterback. I'm surprised that the teams don't make that kind of investment given how important they've made the position be in the National Football League and how few good teams are actually good at finding it or having personnel members that are good at finding a quarterback. Because the way that things are happening right now and the fact that Lamar Jackson with a bunch of QB needy teams are like, yeah, no, we're good on that. That just tells me y'all don't know what y'all doing. Y'all don't know what you're doing. That's a trip around the NFL, Eric DeCosta right here on the Get Right with Reeducation here on 105 3, The Fans. Coming up next, Jacob deGrom was absolutely dealing today. What is the Rangers upside after what was a very successful homestand? We'll talk about it next on one 5 through the
0: Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day.